Welcome to Climbing the Pockets Mock Draft Mondays. Who will the Vikings pick and who's your favorite choice? Good evening and welcome to another fantastic edition of Mock Draft Monday. I am your host, Tyler Forness. We've got Dave, the producer, my normal co-host, Ryan, and with us, a very special guest, the proud renter of a brand new apartment, my good friend from Blue Chip Scouting, <laughs> Andrew Harbaugh. Harbs, my man, how are you today? I'm doing great. Um, I, I, I want to start out, and I was debating whether to bring this up right away, but I feel like it's necessary. Just uh, thoughts and prayers to everybody in Minnesota with the Dante Wright situation going on. Um, I know this is a big Minnesota show, and the community's been hit hard over the last year, and um, you guys rallied together just – like you do for Vikings games, like you do as a community. And I think you guys are all going to come closer because of it. Hey, we, appreciate I, that, that's Andrew. really appreciate it, man. Um, I know stuff like this hits really close to your heart, too. So um, it's, it means oh, a yeah. lot. My Twitter bio doesn't, it says I don't stick to sports, and I don't. And you guys told me to be myself, and I was like, oh, we're doing it. But we'll, we'll get back to football. We'll get a distraction going for everybody. There's no, Wild game, there's no uh, Timberwolves game. Sorry, there's so bad half the time for us. I forgot about it for a second. But um, you, we've got nothing else going on for Minnesota sports, so we might as well give a welcome distraction. Absolutely. And we're going to uh, use your intellect, Andrew, with kind of your knowledge of the NFL, this draft process. I know that your major focus has kind of been the offensive side of the ball, and that's really what we're projecting on an overall level the Vikings to really focus on with how this free agency is gone. So we're going to lean on your expertise to kind of get a real uh, different perspective uh, from us and kind of bounce ideas back and forth. And honestly, just have fun because April is mock draft season and it we are just, what, uh, 15 days away from the draft? I, I think that's the right number now. So it's, no, it's 17. I don't know. 17. Now, so, yep, 17 days. All right, Dave? If you would be so kind as to load up the mock draft machine, we're going to get started. We're going to rock and roll. Um, Andrew, I know you have watched the show before because you care about me, and I oh, appreciate of you. Um, four rounds. more for Ryan, but yeah. Four rounds. We let the board fall as it goes. We discuss the picks. We take uh, whatever avenue we choose to at the time, whether it's what we think is going to happen, whether what we want to happen, what we think should happen. We just kind of let it flow and have a good time and really talk about the process. No, for sure. And it's and Minnesota, we, we've talked about this off air and obviously on air. You guys are one of the biggest wild cards in this whole draft, um, especially being in a spot like 14. You guys are tough to mock for because it's really going to just depend on how everything goes on Thursday night where you guys go with 14. So that's the nice thing with doing these mocks every Monday for you guys is there's endless possibilities for who could fall where. Oh, absolutely. There is a lot of different possibilities, and it's kind of a, a really shitty spot at 14 for what the Vikings need and how everything's projected to fall. It just it just doesn't feel uh, like it, – it, it just doesn't feel like a great spot, which could really mean a trade back. So I'm excited. All right. Trades on the board. Um, let's see. I got to I got to extend in cuz it's a little harder for me to see. Uh 19 124 and 244. Now, uh, what else do we have on the board, Dave? 
We have one from the Jets. Move down to 23. 23, uh, third and a fifth next year. Third and a fifth next year for 14. And then we have from the Steelers down to 24, get their third, their sixth, and a sixth next year. So no second-round pick options, which is unfortunate, but um, these third-rounders are interesting. I think kind of looking at uh, what's, what the offers have been, if we were to take one, I think the Steelers is probably the best bet because you kind of get the most quantity and you get that third-round pick. 24, I think, feels like a better spot for the Vikings as far as uh, a what you want to call it, um, a spot as far as kind of what value is and all those things. Um, where did Andrew go? That's a good question. Hopefully he will hit the link to come back in. Yeah, I, I think he should. Um, I know uh, he is at home with his, with his two young sons, so. I'm sure he'll he'll be back in just a second. Ryan, uh, while we wait for Andrew, what do you want to do here? You know, I like I said, I I'm, I like trying to accumulate uh, you know picks here. I, it's a deep draft, and we do have a lot of um, needs that I think need to get addressed. And um, again, not not exactly understanding what's available based on you know who got picked already, just because. You know that does go by pretty quickly, so you're not. A, I'm not 100 sure if like Dara saw is still there. Uh, he's a big guy that I'm I'm interested in. If we decide to go offensive tackle, he's my OT two. Um, so if he's there, you know that that you know would maybe change my mind. But I think you know the depth of that position, depth of the um, defensive end position. Um, I, I think that the, you know a trade back and accumulating more picks would give us better leverage to. Um, throw a lot of darts at the board. Uh, the only t- the only way I'm really wanting to pick at 14 or earlier is if one of the big four quarterbacks falls and that does not include Mac Jones. So yeah. I I have Mac Jones tied at my QB6 with Kyle Trask. I I am not a Mac Jones guy. I understand why people are Mac Jones guys. That is not me. Um Andrew, we're taking a look at the board here. Uh, kind of the big names it's mainly offensive linemen. You've got Derisaw, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, and uh, Tevin Jenkins. Uh, you've got Micah Parsons on the board, who has the major, major red flags, as we kind of discussed here on the show. Um, Azizo Jolari, which I, I don't necessarily view as a big fit here. Some interesting options. Quiddy Pay is also available. Jalen Phillips went one pick ahead of us, which I know a lot of Vikings fans are coming around on him, which is great. Uh, when you're looking at the board, Andrew, what do you see? What do you like? I, I know we talked about the red flags, and um, we've talked about a one-off too, and everything. I I just feel like a talent like Parsons at 14s worth the dice roll here, um, especially with Anthony Barr being a free agent next offseason, I believe. Um, I, I think it's worth bringing him in because then if he hits, obviously, then that frees you up money-wise. Um, and then if not, play him opposite or just have a great duo that you got on the edges there with Barr and uh, Parsons. But I, I'm a big fan of Parsons on the field, obviously. And then um, I, I think a 14, you got to roll the dice on it. I, I think especially in 
the division you guys are in, I think Parsons could come in there and be a game wrecker in Zimmer's defense. Absolutely what, what love the of- talent. Uh, you know, again, like you had said, he he provides so much versatility in that linebacker uh, at that linebacker position. With the recent news of what happened with Jeff Gladney and the the red flags that they may have either you know pushed aside or whatnot in that pre-draft process, um, I, I do wonder if they would even consider that route, just given the fact that one of our first-round picks from last year is potentially not going to be on the. I mean, we don't know. But you know, potentially might not be on the team anymore. Um, th- that's where I maybe again agree with you 100 on the talent on the field. I just don't know if they're going to be able to push aside his um, his his uh, you know off field concerns. And just so people are aware with what his off field concerns are, uh, he was accused in a civil suit of hazing, and that hazing involved. Um, and this is this is straight facts. It's not speculation simulating sexual assault and using the verbiage stand just people. So we're talking about some really serious and disgusting stuff. Uh, Andrew, if you want to take Micah Parsons here, here's my big question for you. What, what is his role going to be for the Minnesota Vikings? You have Eric Kendricks as a stalwart middle linebacker. Personally, I believe Micah Parsons is going to translate best as a middle linebacker, even though he is really versatile. Like what are you envisioning for him in a Mike Zimmer defense? I, I think if you watch the, the the Memphis game for Penn State players was fantastic last year, or yeah, 2019 um, in the Cotton Bowl. Um, in that game, he demonstrated a lot of pass rush that I like. I think he's very raw there. Um, I think if he's coached up, he could definitely excel in it. But like you talked about, he I, probably is going to be a middle linebacker. Um, I think even if you just rotate him, Inside now, I just put him in positions where he can make plays. Um, similar to what the Jets did with Jamal Adams early on. Same thing I think you could do with uh, – and then the Seahawks after. I think you could do the same thing with Parsons, not at safety, but at linebacker. Just put him where you think he can make a play on a certain design or whatever. I, I mean, Zimmer's got the defensive mind and the creativity. Going back to Dallas, we saw what he was able to do with those defenses. Um, then in Cincinnati, that obviously got him the job in Minnesota. So – Give him somebody like Parsons, who's a little bit raw, can get coached up a little bit. We see what he can do with that, and just put him in position to make a play. Like I said. All right. Well, I think this is a very interesting pick. It's a direction that we have not gone in the show, and one of the things that we really try to do is explore every possible option. Guys, let's take Micah Parsons at fourteen, and let's just kind of see what happens as the draft evolves. Obviously, there is a little bit of a need at that third linebacker position. Um, we, it has been filled by Nick Vigil, but he is not somebody to get really excited about. We know that Anthony Barr's contract now voids uh, the rest of it, and he's a free agent after the season, which does make linebacker a somewhat of a need. So the fact that we took one round one feels like a little bit of a, uh, a luxury pick, but in reality, you're planning for the future, and you got a fantastic football player. Hopefully, those... Uh, those character concerns uh, flesh out to be uh, not nearly kind of what I described earlier. Uh, obviously, it didn't matter too much to Carolina Panthers taking Gator Gross Matos in the second round last year, uh, and he was accused of doing the exact same things. It's now with the Vikings still needing two offensive linemen, an edge, and a third wide receiver, possibly another corner, a safety. It's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this fleshes out. Now we have another trade. 
Uh, 65 and 106 for 96 and, or sorry, 78 and 90. So we would uh, move up 13 spots and then drop back 16. Is there anybody there that you guys are interested in? I, th I think there's value. Um, if and I could be wrong again, those things move pretty quickly. But I think there are some offense alignment that we're gonna that was still available. I didn't see Brady Christensen's name go off the board. I don't remember seeing Jalen Mayfield's name go off the board. A couple of again athletic. Um, offense alignment prospects that should fit in well with a zone scheme type running uh, running scheme and and again uh, they both pass block relatively well in in the uh, in the college game so um, if they're still there which again I'm not 100 percent certain but I don't remember seeing both their names coming off so I would take this deal I don't I don't think it I think it's a good value let's do it let's take it and let's kind of see what happens all right oh, so we there got was Brady Christensen right there. Yep, we have Pat Fryermuth, Carlos Basham Jr., uh, Brevin Jordan, Tommy Tremble. Man, this is this is the hot spot for tight end, and that's kind of, that's a low key need for the Vikings, but it's not something that I believe they're going to prioritize. Honestly, I think we accepted a trade at kind of a rough spot. That we've got some safeties that could be intriguing, but that's kind of like a low key need for them. Um, you have uh, Richie Grant, Jamar Jefferson, or sorry, Jamar Johnson, and Javon Holland, um, Tommy Tungiai. That uh, I don't. This is kind of a rough spot. So, Andrew, I'm going to kind of let you take over. What do you see and what do you like? Uh, what direction would you want to steer the ship? That, it's, I see Christensen came off a little bit ago, of course. Um, I, man, I'll tell you what. I would want to get silly and go fryer move, but that's just me. I know you've got Irv Smith there. Um, I would say. Trimbooth is going to be the better blocker than Smith right off the bat. Um, he, again, I, I'm not, I'm close to Penn State. I'm not a Penn State fan, so I'm going back to back Nittany Alliance here, not on purpose. But um, Trimbooth is a great pass catcher, great size, uses his size. Um, he's my tight end two behind the generational talent that is Kyle Pitts, and I don't use that word like everybody else does. Um, but I, I just think in that offense. Like, Cousins would have no excuses. You'd have Fryermuth, you'd have Cook, you'd have Jefferson, you'd have Thielen. I mean, and you'd have Irv Smith coming in there his second year. Tight ends take a little bit to develop. Um, I, I just think it'd be silly. I mean, I know it's not a great need, and there's not – and you talk about safety. If you don't want to go tight end, Javon Holland, um, just based off his testing, is where I would go with, with this. Um, but I would say for the heck of it, I would go Fryermuth. Ryan, let's hear your thoughts. Tight end at, with the second selection. Yeah, I, I, I actually have been a fan of uh, potentially getting a tight end um, at like ninety. I, Tyler, you and I have gone kind of back and forth on that um, in the in the past with like Brevin Jordan. I think you said you like Tommy Tremble a little better than uh, Brevin Jordan. I'm a big Jordan fan. Um, I like Trey McKitty a little bit later in the draft as well as kind of a later, you know, later fifth fifth round pick need uh, or pick that you can do um, here again we're in a tough spot again I, I didn't see Brady Christensen's name come off the board that's who I was really targeting here uh, the only other guy that I can think of that we might even want to 
probably, again, I think overpay for us essentially in this situation, which would be in a realistic, uh, would you know potentially be considered realistic given the fact that um, there was a run on offensive tackles is uh, Spencer Brown. Again, another athletic specimen that really, uh, you know, tested off the charts um, athletically fits our scheme, likely going to be a right tackle in, in the pros. But again, we have a situation where we may afford to move Brian O'Neill to the left, or we could try him at left tackle again. Uh, not sure what the Vikings plan is there at left tackle yet. Um, but I think that again, you're, you're overpaying for him essentially at this point, but to fill that need and get a guy that really fits the scheme. Because after this, there's a lot of, high potential guys, but they're going to be a little bit more question marks in like Hudson and um, Deontay Smith. So it's tough because again, we do have a clear need at that offensive line. Uh, the other guy you could go with is Quinn. Uh, and I never know. Miners, yes. Miners. And you can go with him, the, you know, the small, small um, school kid here um, and, and solidify that left guard which again, you may be overdrafting him a little bit, but again, you're getting guaranteeing yourself one of these top interior linemen. I think for me, he's a top five interior lineman. I think at number five at this point, um, I need to final, uh, finalize those rankings and, and send them out on Twitter here yet. But um, yeah, so I mean, again, I love the idea, Andrew. Tight end is an interesting idea. And, and again, with that type of talent, he probably is best player available. Um, which I'm always an advocate to go best player available. But right now we're struggling so bad at that offensive line and really on the defensive line at the end that we have some more clear present needs that we would need to address, I think, in my opinion. One last surge. Not to get you off for this. One last surge and argument I will make as my closing argument for Firebase. You want to get a tackle, and I understand the offensive line help, but you can move him to either side depending on how the game's going and everything. And he can help out whatever tackle needs help with whoever you're playing, whether it be Khalil Mack in Chicago or uh, Trey Flowers in Detroit and uh, Green Bay with the Smith brothers. Or Smith brothers, they're not related. I always do that every time. The Smiths. Um, but that's one thing with Farmuth is the blocking will be able to help whichever tackle you want and whoever's struggling game to game. So that's my last closing argument. Um, I defer to the um, school master and Tyler Fortis. I'll say this. When it comes to interior offensive linemen, which uh, just from everything I've been seeing is kind of where the Vikings are going to be trending. You could take minors here, but with our next pick, I believe is now one Oh six. You can still get a really 90, good player. 90. Uh, Remember, we, we made the trade, so we don't have 90 anymore. No, we got rid of 78. Yeah, we got oh, rid of Oh, no, you're right. we got rid of both. Oh, dang. Yep, oh, so our next awful. pick is uh, a compensatory third-round selection at 106. You can get Kendrick Green. You can get one of my guys in this class, David Moore, the wonderful fat lead from Grambling State. Like, I think just for the sake of – what this program is all about and really introducing different scenarios and different avenues and different ways of how this draft is going to look for the purple and gold. I think we take Friar move. I don't necessarily think it's a great selection for need, but if you're selecting for need, you should be fired. And this, this Ryan's is still a me. need. It's, it's still a need, but we can get players later on who I don't think are too 
uh, too much of a step down from what Quinn Miners is. Miners is my interior O-lineman seven with a low second round grade. And I was really surprised as I was starting fleshing through this interior offensive line class, how deep it is. David Moore has a third round grade and you can get him. Kendrick Green has a high four and you're going to be able to get him on the back end of that round three. Like there are really good players in this class. And I think we ignore this. Stone Stone Forsyth just went (laughs) right before us. (laughs) I like Stone Forsyth and I I do too. I was surprised that I liked him. Harbs, you and I have seen every snap of his career. And yeah, that's the bad out. part. But yeah, uh, when you when you watch the film, dang. Right. Tanishka, I'm going to answer this question. So wide receiver is a bigger need than tight end. I don't disagree. But here is where it gets a little tricky. You have Irv Smith Jr., who's a true move. You can use him as a wide receiver. You can use him as a big slot. And then with the 12 personnel, you have two genuinely good pass catchers at tight end. You don't have a guy like uh, we had with David Morgan for all those years who's, I wouldn't say a liability, but he's not a strength. You have two guys whose strength is pass catching, and they're very capable blockers. Uh, Fryermuth, in my opinion, is the most complete, well-rounded tight end, where Kyle Pitts is that generational pass catching prospect who is also a good blocker. But Fryermuth is more of that well-rounded prospect. So I don't think it's necessarily – a big deal that wide receivers in need at this point. Um, Dave, I see you have Kellen Mond pulled up. I know Ryan is pro Mond. I am not pro Mond for where you're going to have to draft him. Andrew, Kellen Mond, give us your thoughts. Should the Vikings be considering him on day two? I don't think the Vikings should consider any quarterback unless like you talked about, Ryan, one of the big ones fallen. Um, our guy Dante Colinelli over at Blue Chip Scouting changed the way he graded quarterbacks. And it really made me think about it too, to where you're either, it's basically a system where you're either the guy or you're a guy. And the problem is this class is so top heavy that everything afterwards is just really a, a grab, a, a lottery ticket, not even a good lottery ticket. Um, and not to copy off of Nick's homework here at the bottom, that's where my eyes went to was James Hudson because I don't think Minnesota's had a tackle that makes sense. Phil Lodehall, Oklahoma, great, um, if they go James Hudson's way. So I would say look at him. He's just tri- plays with tremendous size. Um, I know he's listed 6'4", 302 there, but he just, he just looks menacing. He looks like a guy that when you lined up across from him, you're like, oh, shit, I'm in for a day. So, and I think here at round four, I believe we're in now. Um, yep. I think it's worth the, the grab. I would take the lottery ticket that is James Hudson over Kellen Mond at this point. I, I would agree. But we're going to let Ryan make his case. Ryan, make your case for Kellen Mond. Yeah, I mean, we, we well, I got in that little Twitter thread discussion about Kellen Mond. I think we had a couple of people on that one. Again, I, here, if we had addressed some of the other more clear and present needs, um, I think he would be an excellent pick here. Um, and, and why I say that is he does, although he did struggle with some consistency in the college game in the SEC, which again is going to be the you know their defenses have started declining over the years, um, but they're still considered the best defensive league um, in in college football. Um, and and he did have some inconsistency issues. 
is that a product of who he is as a player or is that a product of coaching? Um, that is for me, I, I don't know. He's got a lot of the skills and tool set to work with where a fourth round pick or a late third round pick, whatever, it, you know, wherever he ends up going, I think there's enough um, talent and, and skill set, raw ability to wager that bet and have a high, you know, again, a high um ceiling low floor prospect to throw a dart at again i'm a big advocate of throwing darts at quarterbacks in the mid rounds each year or every other year and see if you hit kellamon can be the next i don't know geno smith and not be any you know back career backup at best or he could be the next russell wilson and again i'm just using those as examples uh, because right. i know geno smith actually was a second round pick but you know those mid round guys right you never know who he's going to end up being. And again, if he ends up being a career backup, he's a career backup and you have a backup on your team. That's cheap. And if he, uh, and if he can, again, and this is all predicated on Kirk cousins getting hurt or Kirk cousins getting benched or us deciding that Kellamon's the future. And we move on from Kirk next year um, and trade him for whatever we can get for him. Again, I just think it's a dart throw, but it's a, it's a calculated dart throw with a guy with a lot of like tools in his, in his belt to work with. Is it the smartest pick in this situation, in this specific mock draft? I don't think so. I would go James Hudson here. Um, again, for all the reasons uh, Andrew said, I think James Hudson is an athletic guy that can get out in space and block. He probably will fit this zone scheme very well. Um, he's got an anchor on him. He's got a lot of technique I think he needs to work on because he is what a, he's a defensive tackle com, com, convert. So he's, uh, you know, he's still learning the position, but for him to play at Cincinnati at such a high level at that tackle position after only two years of playing that against some pretty good teams. I mean, I know Cincinnati is in a weaker conference, but they did play some decent teams and he held his own. Um, so I, I like his tape. I like what he brings. I think he's a little bit more of a project than I was hoping for, for again, somebody who's going to probably compete at either right or left tackle. But um, I think the upside is, is very high with him. I agree. And I would I'm going to, I'm going to. Real I'm quick. Gonna, on I just Kellen thing that, that concerned Go me ahead, with Kellen Mond is Jimbo Fisher wasn't able to tame the wild stallion. That is Kellen Mond, but he was able to turn uh, Jameis Winston into the first overall pick. Um, I know the situations and everything are really different with those two, but um, Kellen Mond for me, it was just like he would look really good one game, and then the next game it would just be like everything vanished. And everything good that there was I just completely forgot about because of the bad that showed. So Jimbo Fisher couldn't get the most out of him, so that just really concerns me to whether or not – and this isn't a knock on Minnesota staff. It's just based on how we've seen Cousins kind of plateau. I don't know if they're going to get the best out of Kellen Mond and if that's a situation where he could thrive. And I'll, I'll say a couple things before we move on from this pick. Kellen Mond has 46 starts in college. We're not talking about a guy who has a yep. lot of question marks as far as who he is. We've seen what Kellen Mond is. Like when Mitch Trubisky came out in 2017, he had 14 starts. Trey Lance has 17 starts. Mac Jones has four as like I think 17 starts as well. You're talking 17. about players. Yeah, you're talking about players who don't have a lot of college film and who have a lot of room to grow. The, my issue with Calamond is we've seen him for 46 starts. We know who he is. He is a he is not capable on the field between the ears. He makes really poor decisions. 
panics in the pocket. He struggles progressing past his first read. He'll have phenomenal games like he did against Florida, and then he'll follow it up with games against Alabama and LSU. He threw, like, what, 11 interceptions? Like, it's too bipolar, and I think because of the track record, the sample size, I don't think it's worth taking. I would prefer Kyle Trask here because you have, I believe, less than 20 starts from him. He's uh, going into this year, he had played less than 1,000 game snaps since his freshman year of high school. He has a lot of room to grow because he doesn't have a lot of reps, and he almost won the Heisman Trophy. Obviously, when you're talking about college stats, you don't want to use that as your main predictor. But I think Trask can be an elite facilitator in the right offense, which is why if the Saints end up drafting him, I think the league needs to watch out. That is an absolutely phenomenal spot for him, but I digress. Um, James Hudson, I think we should make the pick here unless there's uh, an argument because I think he can play inside initially as well, as well as uh, compete for one of those tackle spots. And I didn't love his athletic testing, but when you watch him on field, it the traits don't match the skills. He's athletic when it when it comes to playing the position, and he's got a lot of room to grow into that. So as we move on to 119, uh, we still have needs at safety, interior O-line. Technically, if we're considering James Hudson a tackle, corner, edge, wide receiver. All right? So when we take a look at the board, we've got a couple uh, really good players here. Cameron Sample out of Tulane had a phenomenal senior bowl. He is a guy that you can use in that Everson Griffin role, play inside and out. Aaron Banks, the interior offensive lineman out of Notre Dame. He is a player that's mainly going to be a man-gap power scheme guy, but at the same time, the Vikings have said they aren't married to the wide zone, and they did start running a lot more like counters and gaps uh, throughout as the season progressed. Um, Kendrick Green is a guy that uh, Vikings fans should really be keeping their eye on because he is a phenomenal phenomenal fit for what this offense is. He has a relatively good anchor for uh, being such an athletic lineman, and he can shoot to that second level really quick. If a guy like Brandon Thorne says he is a really good player, then you really need to keep your eye on him. I really liked his film, and I think he would really be a target for what the Vikings have as far as moving forward throughout this process. We've started with Andrew a couple times. Ryan, I will start with you here. What do you see? What do you like? What is jumping out to you right now? Um, I'll just add one comment to the Kendrick Green take, who, uh, again, since we do have such big needs at that offensive line here, he would be my pick here as well. Um, Kendrick Green, what I like about him too is he's versatile. So like he, I think he played center, um, and I think he had some reps at guard. Um, as well, um, you know, in, in college. And what we were talking about off air before the show of how we liked Creed Humphrey. And I think I had mentioned that he could play guard, but if Bradbury doesn't end up working out, which he hasn't so far, um, you would have a backup right there available for you in, in Kendrick Green, who could step in and play your starting center going forward in 2022 and beyond if you decide to move on from Bradbury, if he continues to not do well. So I like that pick, but to just introduce a new name here, we do have a, a small need um, for more of an interior pass rusher um, in, in, on that um, defensive line. Again, we have Tomlinson, who we just uh, picked up, and we have Pierce, big maulers, um, guys that are going to be more run-stuffing guys. I know Tomlinson has a little uh, pass rush in his game. 
A guy that I, I like here is Marvin Wilson. And, and I think the Vikings will likely like him as well. And the reason why is Rick Spielman mm. loves five-star recruits. And Marvin Wilson is a previous five-star recruit. A lot of untapped potential there. He did not, his game did not um, increase significantly in, in college in terms of he was always a good twitchy, get off the ball, uh, penetrating uh, defensive tackle. But he had a lot of technique issues. He had a lot of bad weight that didn't, you know, work well for him in the, in the college game. And he um, wasn't the best run defender. But you put him in to be more of a pass rush specialist put him in a room with Pierce and Tomlinson who can hopefully show him the ropes of how to be a, you know, utilize his leverage better, carry his weight better, what have you, and, and really help develop him with, uh, um, with Patterson, our defensive line coach, or I guess he's a D coordinator now, but um, I think that there is a lot of untapped potential there um, that can really jump off the screen and really, you know, provide some good value in the fourth round. Andrew, I know I am not the super high man on Marvin Wilson. Um, you and I haven't had a conversation really about Marvin Wilson. Uh, take us through your opinions on him. Uh, fourth round is kind of that that dart throw round as far as guys who, especially coming into the draft process, a lot of people uh, talked about him possibly being that first round player. It did not come to fruition. Now, if we're just talking uh, field goal defense, I think he's a first round talent all the way had multiple block kicks in week one of oh, yeah. this season. Um, Andrew, tell us about uh, your thoughts on Marvin Wilson. Yeah, no, and with Wilson, if you you talked about it, he had that first-round hype. I remember the first game I watched of him last summer was uh, the Virginia tape from two years ago. And I remember messaging. I was like, is this how it is every single game? And everyone's like, well, sadly, no. Because if you watch that Virginia game, he looks like a top 10 player in this class, like just constantly wrecking, causing disruptions and um, just making Virginia hate every play they had to go against him. Um, but then you watch the rest of this season and then you hear like some rumblings and everything. And it's just kind of like the NFL's real doll on him and poking holes in his game. And then when you finally go to look for him, you kind of see there's a lot still that needs to be cleaned up. Um I'm not against Marvin Wilson here at four. I, I think the flashes are better than anyone else you're going to see on this list. Um, I The only other person I'd make an argument for here, if you're looking for that um, defensive lineman outside edge kind of flex, I would go with uh, Deo Odiingbo out of Vanderbilt. I absolutely loved him. He was my second-ranked um, interior defensive lineman. Really liked his game a lot. Um, and if you want to talk about production, too, for him uh, – 20 games the last two seasons, and he has 26 and a half combined sacks and tackles for loss. So he definitely is a disruptor, gets in the backfield. If that's what you're looking for, um, I would roll the dice on Deo than I would Marvin Wilson. But I think either one you'd be fine with. Um, lots of good – the Vikings are sitting very pretty because of Rick Spielman and his love for day three draft picks. Now, here's my big question with Deo. Tore his Achilles about three or four days before Senior Bowl started. Right. How much is that going to impact your view? Obviously, going into the Senior Bowl, he was kind of looked at as a mid-second round pick, probably going around top 50. And a torn Achilles can really impact your explosiveness, especially that first year. Uh, where does that kind of fall on uh, your opinion of him, and how much does that worry you? 
Yeah, no, I think it's a fair question. And I think if you look at a history sake, um, Sidney Jones, when he was coming out, tore his Achilles uh, running his 40 time, I believe, um, coming out of Washington. And yep. it took him about a year, two years to really pan out. Philadelphia tossed him to the wayside. And now he just got a contract extension down in Jacksonville, and he's one of their best corners. So it's definitely one of those things that I don't know if Spielman and Zimmer would be able to wait out the Dayo project. Um, but I definitely think the upside, if you're patient, is there. Um, the question is, is this a franchise and a fan base that you can be patient with? And, and it's hard to – I'd probably say no. Just and That's nothing against the Vikings and Vikings fans. It's You've had recent success, and then this year was kind of a dud. And um, The NFC North is still kind of open-ish just because the Packers are a real year-to-year team. Um, I think round four is going to be a lot of picks where you got to be like, okay, this guy's going to make an impact more than not. So um, I would probably side with Ryan here with Wilson. But like I said, I think either one you'd be fine. It's just one I think you're going to get more immediate production out of, and that's Wilson. All right. Marvin Wilson is the pick, and I think he kind of hit the nail on the head, Andrew. This uh, regime is kind of in a win-now mode, but they're not going to mortgage the future just to get guys to win now but they, they may take a guy with slightly less upside who can contribute a little earlier, which it really goes against their MO because they're all about drafting for the future, especially with these middle and late rounds. Um, but moving on, uh, one guy I really want to focus on, there are two guys. We already talked about Kendrick Green, and I think he should uh, consider a lot of – or warrant a lot of consideration here. Cameron Sample, edge out of Tulane. He can play inside and out. Um, like I mentioned earlier – he can fit that Everson Griffin role where you can stand him up in the A-gap. You can use him as a five technique. He is a little bigger. He can play as a three technique on pass rushing downs, kind of like how John Randall was that undersized guy for a decade for the Minnesota Vikings. I think that that needs to warrant consideration here too. Uh, he is not the prototype uh, as far as what the Vikings want to target with length and size, but he's got a motor that runs hot, and he's able to win. And in round four, I think you can take risks like that. Um, another guy that should warrant consideration is Osa Odingzua. The absolute vines on that man from UCLA is astounding, and he is a fantastic football player. Um, those are a couple guys. I don't know Odingzua. He's probably going to be best as a three technique, and we literally just took one of Marvin Wilson. Those are the kind of the three that jumped off to me. Andrew, I'll start with you this time. What are you looking at? What are your thoughts? I'll keep it simple. I think you've got to give the people some guards. And I know you're the leader of the guards don't matter pack, but in round four, I think, and someone you both it's like. It's okay. It just Andrew, Andrew, this is where guards matter. You take them in, uh, in rounds two through seven. You don't take them round one unless their name is Quentin Nelson or Zach Martin. Um. Of course, Elijah Vera Tucker getting that Quentin Nelson hype trade three weeks out from the draft. But um, I think if you guys both like Kendrick Green out of Illinois and you talked about Vikings fans being a fan of this, I, I don't think you want to risk him kind of going away from here. And if you even want to look at the board with the TD entering, I believe that's 120-something. <laughs> um, so it's right on par for having a good value too, according to Draft Network. So 
Um, I, that would be my vote. Just keep it simple here. Don't overthink it. I think Rick Spielman would be smart to run this pick in. I agree with that wholeheartedly. All right. I'm a little disappointed that nobody shouted out one of my favorite players in this class, David Moore. The true bowling ball that that man is and how fleet of foot uh, he plays is just something special. But that's neither here nor there. Now we take it to pick 134. But we already took a linebacker, so I think Dylan Moses uh, we can kind of take off the board. We just got a guard. We haven't taken an edge yet, and we really need players that can rush for, uh, from the outside. Ade Ogundeji, edge from Notre Dame, he is a guy that I really liked when I was watching his tape. He's big. He's long. He sets the edge really well. He needs to work on his, his pass rushing arsenal. Um, the plan encounters just aren't there. But when he wins, he wins with conviction, and he's able to get to the quarterback. And he plays really stout in the running game, which is always important to Mike Zimmer with his edges, which is why Yannick Ngakwe never made a whole lot of sense for this team. Yannick Ngakwe doesn't play the run. Like He's not incapable. He just doesn't. That's just not his game. It's not his forte. Adi Ogundeji is going to give you that on the edge. He's he's going to be able to play against the run, like I said, set the edge. And I think it'd be a, a great compliment to what Daniil Hunter is. Ryan, I will kick it to you. I just gushed over Ogundeji. Um, David Moore is obviously my guy. I could gush about him and Kylan Hill all day. Uh, what are you seeing on the board? And if you start talking about Trey Brown, I, I will let you this time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I agree. Um, Ogundeji is is I think I like his upside too. You know, I mean, he's got yeah. he's got the athletic skills to really prosper in this defense with proper coaching and work with Daniel Hunter and, and having that mentor. Patrick Jones, I like him a lot too. Not as sexy of a pick, not as high upside in my opinion, but just solid. Um, I think actually in when we were talking a few weeks ago, you, you were talking about Rashad Weaver and how he's just consistent and he can just kind of, you know, provide you with a day, you know, that play in and play out consistency. I see that with Jones too, but just with a little bit more upside, um, a little bit more uh, thump in his game. Um, but obviously I'm here to talk about any Oklahoma player I can. So Trey Brown um, is an, you know, again, this is a need that we're going to have now with, you know, Gladney potentially being out um, going forward. We have three corners on this team that are reliable. We have Patrick Peterson, we have Cam Dantzler, both of them going to be outside guys. And then we have um, Mac, uh, who we brought back, and um, he's going to play your slot. Trey Brown is an interesting player. He's short, but he doesn't play short. He plays big, and he plays in your hip pocket all game. He's relentless energy. He's a dog. Um, and he provides some uh, much-needed punt return ability as well. So he's got speed. He's got uh, – the only thing he's missing is length. And so he, he, although he never in college played slot cornerback because not a lot of college teams really have a lot of – you know, all the good corners are playing on the outside, right? Um, he has the skill set, the twitch, and the, you know, again, that stay in your hip pocket to really be an effective slot corner. Now, is that an immediate need? No, Mac, Mac Alexander or even Mike Hughes, if he can stay healthy, have that ability to play that role. However, 
if Mac goes down and Hughes goes down like we typically see, because uh, Mac was never the healthiest player in the world when he played for us anyway, um, that that's a much needed depth. And I don't love cornerback depth after around this area. Um, you know, if Ombre um, Thomas, he's got some skills. Um, trying to think of who else is going to be available. Um, I don't know much about the South Carolina kid um, that played opposite uh, JC Horn. I don't know much about him yet. Um, so I'm a big advocate for Trey Brown. We all know that, uh, but I, I definitely wouldn't be disappointed with uh, the, the Notre Dame uh, D end as well. So. All right. And I know we, we have fleshed this out already. I don't like Patrick Jones. I think he's overrated. I, I did not come away impressed with his tape at all. He just seems to run into the tackle and really not know what to do. And that scares me. I didn't think he was overly athletic. I liked Rashad Weaver because he was a much more consistent player. He's got the length, and he he knows how to play against the run. Andrew, we've talked about a lot as far as what this selection is. And kind of give us your thoughts, man. I will say this, and this is where I was kind of leaning before uh, Ryan gave a very – solid argument that I could only wish to ever give in campaigning for Trey Brown. When you see Ambry Thomas itching at the bottom of the draft board, you know, corner is going to be done after that. So that's just from my experience running all these mocks. So I think if you're going to go corner, you got to do it now. Um, I like Trey Brown as is very competitive too. Um, a little bit of dog in him, which I think Zimmer would like a lot. Um, so I would vote, my vote would go Trey Brown. And I think there's a couple edge guys here with Hayes, uh, really both Notre Dame guys, and maybe even Patrick Jones might be there for pick, uh, one if we didn't trade it. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, we still have pick one forty-three. I like Trey Brown. Oh, yes. I thought he, he competed at the senior bowl and he kind of, uh, was able to overcome that size with a uh, good anticipation and ball skills. And obviously his speed and ability to stay in the receiver's hip pocket is going to be something that's a plus trade for him at the next level. Let's do it. Trey Brown, cornerback, Oklahoma. And then we're going to have pick 143, which uh, is going to be interesting because there's still going to be a couple guys here that likely uh, we really like. David Moore going to the Steelers. Just That one makes no sense. So we have not taken an edge yet. And – this team's pass rush was abysmal. And you just don't know if uh, DJ Wanham is actually going to flesh out to be a good NFL player. I think you still need to take it. Um, I'm going to pound the table right now for Adeo Gundeji. Get the guy with the length. Get the high upside. He's already a stout run defender. He can learn on the fly. And he's going to be uh, working with Daniel Hunter. And for me, that Nadre Patterson is going to be huge for his development. So that's my guy, and that's what I want to do with this pick. Do you guys have any comments on it? Go right ahead. Perfect. Ade Ogundeji, edge out of Notre Dame, who I think is the best Notre Dame edge over Dalen Hayes. But Dalen Hayes has that single leg sleeve aesthetic, which is, I like it. All right, Dave, let's take a look at the user picks. We'll flesh these out and we'll give some final thoughts. Micah Parsons at 14. Pat Frymuth at 65. James Hudson at 106. Marvin Wilson at 119, Kendrick Green at 125, Trey Brown 134, Ade Ogundeji, edge out of Notre Dame to finish it off. Ryan, I'll I'll let you get final thoughts first here. What do you think? How do we do? 
From a, if you're going to go with the, if you're truly one of those um, people who believe in taking best player available and, and fleshing that out versus, you know, drafting for need, this is a great draft. You're right. You got Micah Parsons, arguably a top five talent in this draft, just from a skill set alone. Uh, Pat, you know, Fryermuth again, top two tight end would be a, a number one tight end in most drafts if you know Kyle Pitts wasn't going to be in that draft, right? He's probably the best tight end prospect in the last couple of years. Um, and then, and then from there, you know, after you you know take your first two picks, you just have a ton of upside guys, right? James Hudson, high potential guy. Marvin Wilson, again a lot of bad tape, but also a lot of very exciting tape. If you can just kind of um, hone in on that exciting, uh, the, you know, what makes him exciting uh, with the proper defensive line coach that we have, hopefully that will flush out well. Kendrick Green, again, versatile uh, interior offensive talent, love his game. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm going to love any player from Oklahoma. Um, and then Ogan Deji, like you said, high upside guy. So best player available with those top two picks and then a bunch of high upside guys. Again, if you're if you're going for that that that's a, an excellent draft. I think we would have a riot on our hands. Um, sorry, a horrible term to use right now with what's going on here in Minnesota. But um, we we would I don't think we a lot of Viking fans would love this draft because it doesn't address big needs that we have early on, and that's what we're going to want to see: offensive tackle, defensive end. But again, I think there's a lot of talent here. You know, I agree with that, but I, I'll counter with this, and then I'll kick it to Andrew for his final thoughts. When we went BPA, we still got need, and it may not have been the most pressing need, but linebacker is a need, especially for the future. Tight end is something that we need to address in this draft at some point, so we were able to get that, and I there really isn't any of those kind of like my guy players like there's no Peyton Turner, there's no Deontay Smith, like the guys that I just absolutely gush over uh, week after week. And Ade Ogundeji is a player I really like. Uh, but this is this just feels like a solid draft, and it's not super sexy. Uh, Andrew, what do you think? How did, how did we do? I think describing any draft I do also as solid, not super sexy, I think if my wife was watching, would think it's perfect for me. But I, I really also think, too, that I'm not going to get invited back for another one based on the fantastic comments. But here's the thing. Like you talked about, it's it's one of those rare things where I honestly hate the best player available approach. But having where the, it fell the first two picks, especially after the trade, like, and you talk about people being upset with this draft, Ryan. And I think hindsight, if you guys are writing your recaps, would you rather talk about doing a trade up for Pat Fryermuth and giving up all those picks? Or would you rather write an article um, talking about the trade up for Quinn Merez or any other interior offensive lineman? You're able to sell the tight end a little bit more. And I think that's something Spielman and Zimmer, not that they're obviously campaigning to get every Vikings fan happy because that's impossible for any fan base on any team. But I definitely think if you look at these first five honestly all these picks are good but if you even just had these first five here um i think vikings fans while they won't be happy day one i think as the season would progress they'd be like okay um andrew deserves an extension (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and again and it's not always about uh, it's not always about drafting for now right i mean obviously i think that's what will happen on draft day this year because i think 
our coach and GM really are fighting for their jobs at this point in time. But this, again, this isn't a bad draft if you're looking for the future. And again, all of these guys will contribute this year and probably be heavy contributors this year. And that's maybe not all of the guys, but especially those top five guys, right? They're going to be heavy contributors. So I don't see the problem with it. Yeah. And and talk about about two with Ryan saying how Zimmer and Spielman are going for their job. Even if, say, they don't make it out of this draft and out of this year, then the next system and the next front office and the next regime has some solid pieces to let develop. So I think short-term, long-term, this is a good draft. Dave, I want to bring you in here because I see you in the comments, and you agreed with Not Yam. You don't like this draft. I want to hear from you, man. You're you're a big part of this show, and yeah, we've done a lot of these together. Uh, give us your thoughts. Ah, I like more of the round bellies. Hey, I love tight ends, and Micah Parsa. Parsons fascinates me. I don't think that this keeps Zimmer's and Spielman's jobs intact. Um, now, that being said, I mean, as of right now, the over-under for Vikings wins is eight and a half. Yay, 500. Um, I don't think this raises that number whatsoever because of that. I think it's a fail. I think they need to raise that number. And with that, they need to take positions that will do that. Those are your premium positions. And those are obviously getting above the bottom five when it comes to the offensive line. Yeah, and you know what? I hear you. I, I'm not... Like when I look at this draft, I think it's a lot of good players. You really took best available as far as what was on the board, but I'm not in love with this draft either. Like for me, Micah Parsons, I believe will be off the Minnesota Vikings draft board. And I don't think he'll be even uh, thought about as a selection. So I, I don't feel it's super realistic, but I really liked doing this exercise because it really showed what best player available could look like. That and part of it, I did like that it was BPA and shows that those that advocate BPA don't always get what they want. Yes, that's a mm-hmm. good long-term strategy and you always get good players, but is it what the team needs? And that's not necessarily the same thing. Exactly. It is not necessarily the same thing. Um, Andrew? From all of us here at Climbing the Pocket, I want to thank you for coming on tonight, giving us kind of a different perspective and, and uh, sharing your passion and intellect. I know uh, we were together over at Blue Chip Scouting. Uh, tell us about what you have going on over there and what you have in the works for everyone. Yeah, not to put a damper on the eight and a half thing, but with a 17-game season, that is less than 500 now. So you, you got to get over that hump, I guess. But um no, we've got – I've got my draft decision series coming uh, along here. I've already put out my NFC North one. So, um, Vikings fans, I talked about you guys there too. Um, <laughs> I like Pombo. First time I've really seen – pay attention to him. But he's got good advice and good directing skills. So, um, no, and uh, I've got a draft guide coming out ideally Wednesday 
for fantasy-based players. I've got 92 skill players I'll have reports on. Um, a lot of quarterbacks that probably won't be drafted, which is the worst part of writing the reports because I'm getting through them and I'm like, this guy's just – it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be a camp, a camp arm, but uh, a super deep receiver class. I know that's a position we didn't address in this mock, um, but if you guys did a full seven-round mock, I mean, there's some quality guys um, I think Vikings fans could look for in that guy, um, and they could also see me blush about Pat Fryermuth and maybe they'll – um, come around on that pick. Fantastic. Uh, Andrew, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. That is going to be our show today. Um, just to make Plumbo happy, I am going to uh, send us off tonight and talk like a goddamn know-it-all. So until then, uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow for In the Huddle, uh, talking uh, Vikings, talking uh, free agency, talking the direction of the team. They'll probably delve into a little bit of the draft stuff as well. Make sure you turn in at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, and Dave will be uh, steering the ship on that one as well. Until then, that you have uh, joined us on Mock Draft Monday. Make sure you turn in next week. Have yourselves a fantastic evening, and skull. Skull. watching or listening as always if you like subscribe and ring the bell for notifications and if you're listening to the podcast please rate us on your favorite aggregator skull everybody